Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach podcast. Welcome along, it's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. If you're one of our new listeners, a real, real warm welcome. And if you're one of our regulars, exactly the same to you. You know that we're chock-a-block full of uh, inspiration, knowledge, wisdom, and experiences on the program that will help you lead, help you manage and help you coach to the highest level in your sport, in football and in your own life. So welcome along. Today I want to talk about a subject that I want to talk, I want to call crucifixion. So it's about crucifixion. Bizarre you may think, but I hope by the time we get to the end of it you will think, yeah, that was worth talking about. Now, Words and books and passages and, and quotations, for some reason, are something that's always resonated with me. I think there are people out there who, who get, you know, they, they talk about the different learning styles, don't, don't we, where people are visual learners or people are auditory learners. or So people who are auditory learners may pick up more from conversations and podcasts. So maybe that's one of the reasons you're listening to this. But words and books... And the right and the written word has always been something that's inspired me. And uh, I'm sure people some get the same from art or, or things like that. Um, but I, I do find that words and passages and particularly quotations and certain authors have the ability to, to sum things up and they can actually make me understand things in a, in a certain way. And there's a lot, a lot of quotations and there's a lot of passages from books that I, I remember that definitely uh, I can recognise have sustained me in my life and things I refer back to now you know let's let's make no bones about it we've talked about this before that if you step out and you decide to follow your path and you step out on that hero's journey we've talked about the hero's journey on another previous podcast so go and have a listen to that one but we talk about leadership you're going to be criticised Believe you me, you're going to be criticised. You're going to incite envy and jealousy. And you're going to be misunderstood. And you may well be misunderstood and criticised. And just get this, this, you know, incite this jealousy and envy thing from, from actually people who are close to you. It might not just be people who are a distance from you. It might be people who are close to you, which may surprise you. Now, Brian Johnson... Now again, I talked about a lot. He calls these goes withs. Now, I thought, what does he mean goes with? Well, what he means is they go with the territory. So as soon as you decide to step out, as soon as you decide to go on a hero's journey, as soon as you decide to something, you are going to face these things. So you might as well, as they say, accept that they're going to happen anyway. Now, they probably will hurt you and it probably will surprise you but they're going to happen anyway. Now, one of the things that that occurred was that 
that inspired this and uh, inspired this particular podcast really was that I got criticised and I got criticised personally in the media and unfairly so in my opinion and unjustly so in my opinion and it was written without my consent, it was written about me and it was about my professional life, it was about my abilities and it was a a negative on my character now to cut a long story short i didn't get involved i didn't speak to people i refused to talk about it i wasn't going to engage in it i wasn't going to build the fire i wasn't going to put my opinion forward but this happened and now people react in different ways and one of the uh, my my kind of modus operandi my character is that I'll, I'll go inward when things like that happen I go quiet and I retreat a little bit and I have to consider and um, I suppose from 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 the point of view you can get into the into the situation where if you are like that you can be a little bit introverted and it can be a problem but I, I did consider and I thought you know what is this about because there I was doing a job to the very best of my ability. And what sustained me was the fact that I knew and I know inside that what happened was the truth and what was reported wasn't the truth, was without all the facts. And it immediately brought to mind a quotation. And it was one of my favourite quotations. I'm going to read a little bit of it. And it's called The Man in the Arena. And this is a great way of sharing this this knowledge. Uh, if you haven't heard of the man in the arena, it's actually from a, a 1910 speech by Theodore Roosevelt, the American president. The speech called was called Citizenship in a Republic. And it was a massive speech. And it has a particularly famous piece in it called The Man in the Arena. And I'm going to read it to you. you will, when I read it, you probably will have heard it before. But it goes like this. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Now what does it say to you? It says that actually, critics don't count. Now, maybe you have to take stock. Maybe you have to listen and, and actually ask yourself a question to make sure you're not blindly and bludgeoningly stamping across a field and actually you're in the wrong. But if you've paid the due diligence and you are honestly know that you've done your best and in your heart, that's all that matters, then 
This is a very, very poignant quotation. It is not the critic who counts. The one who counts is the man in the arena or the woman in the arena. Because it's easy to criticize. There's always a committee of they. And somebody said to me that you know well when you are doing something worthwhile because you're being criticized. It's when you're not being criticized that maybe you're playing it safe. Maybe you're hiding behind the wall. Maybe you're not putting your head above the parapet. So actually, bring it on, you know, bring it on. One thing's for certain, you're never gonna please all the people all the time. And that is what this is saying. Now, another one of the great mentors that I've had from a literature point of view is the late Wayne Dyer. And I'm not alone in that. There's millions of people who've bought his books and heard his works. And he put some, some things in such a fantastic way. He reminded us that, you know, before we set out, as I've mentioned before, we'd be well advised to be prepared to be crucified. And it's a strong word, crucified, but I think I know what he means. He says, look, if you are going to do something worthwhile, you are going to have to suffer. And crucifixion is one way of describing that. And it is, of course, a, it's metaphorical. It doesn't mean we're going to actually be nailed to a wooden cross. It means that we're going to be nailed to a cross metaphorically. We're going to be criticised. We're going to be hung out to dry. And people are going to laugh at us and hope that we don't succeed. We're certainly going to have to undergo a few trials. It's part of the process, you know. You don't get steel unless you forge iron and remove all the impurities. And it's only through trials and it's only through challenges and it's only through going the extra mile and doing the extra training and, and, and working at these things that we turn that iron into iron ore into steel that's hard and robust and will do a job. And that is how character is formed, through circumstance. You know, you don't get somebody who can lead a country or manage a great team or inspire people or be the leader of an organization or a financial success that's going to last unless they've got a character that's been forged through circumstance. Just to quote one more thing, diamonds these valuable stones that are found in the earth are essentially carbon that has been put under immense, immense pressure for long periods of time. That's what a diamond is. If it's not put under pressure for long periods of time, it will be coal in the form of carbon or fuel. But when the pressure is added and it's there for longer periods, you get diamonds. You know, and, and if we kind of look at the crucifixion metaphor a little bit more and, and dive into it, it really does make sense and it's a great one to use. Because ultimately, crucifixion involves death. You know, memento mori, remember we're all going to die. So if you're crucified, if you're hung, hanged, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the end of the, the line in this, in this particular form of life. And you're going to pass, it depends, you know, this is metaphorical, I say, you're going to pass from one form into another, depending on what your worldview is. You're, you're going to die. Now, metaphorically, what does this mean in terms of your, your own journey? It means that you've got to be 
prepared to change. You've got to let your old self, your old views, your old physical condition, your previous character pass away so that you can embrace and enjoy and thrive in your new character. Shake snakes shed their skin. If they do not shed their skin, they will die. Chicks have to break out of an eggshell and the eggshell has to broken to be broken for them to become fledglings and, and chickens and so on. Butterflies have to break free from a cocoon in order to become the beautiful things that, that, that adorn nature. You know, nature's wisdom tells us that if we choose to remain static, if we wish things to be as they are and to stay the same, it will not work. It's not an option. Nature doesn't do that. Mother Nature never does that. The universe is expanding and it's changing all the time. There's a, a famous old saying that, that, that says, this too shall pass, which basically means whatever he is here now will be gone tomorrow. The victory that we have today will be a memory tomorrow. The criticism that you face today will be a memory tomorrow, as will your emotion that you have today, because emotions can just change in a second. So nothing stands still, and neither can us, no matter how much we desire. So, you know, it's a metaphorical crucifixion. And these times are often challenging. You know, it's not a question of, oh, you know, it's gonna be easy and, and look, sometimes we don't have to look for hardship, we don't have to look for, for, for challenges, but there are tumultuous times in our life. There are challenges, there are difficulties, and at times we need things to hold on to. And some, as I said for, for myself, and it's just a lesson for myself, it, it's not about me, this isn't, but we all need things to hold on to. Some people have a religious faith, and that religious faith is given to them or is provided to them in words. People have scriptural words, whether it's from the Quran or whether it's from a Hindu text or whether it's a Buddhist text or whether it's a Christian text, New Testament, Old Testament from the Bible. That It's a crutch, it's a staff, it's something to lean onto, it's something that you believe. You know, in, in, in the history of slavery, the, the, the people brought over from, from Africa who were, who were enslaved they had spiritual songs that sustained them through many, many years. So we all need something to hold on to. In Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl talked about the fact that the people who survived the Holocaust were those who had something to hold on to, who had a meaning and something to sustain them through the awful tragedies that were befalling them. And that is what I'm really talking about here. You know, what are your things, your absolutes that you hold on to, the things that keep you going when the road gets rough? What is it and what are they? Because you need to know them. It's like we talked about before in times of peace, prepare for war. It's better to prepare these things now so that you know when difficult times come, you have a seaworthy boat don't wait until the, the storm hits, the tempest comes along to decide to fill the hole in the boat to make sure you've got a, a lifeboat, a second set of oars, a, a second set of sails. Do it while the water is calm and it's like a mill pond. You know, because at times, yeah, what, 
the, not only are we going to suffer the, the, these um, adversities, but we're going to be criticised and everybody around you will be in a state of losing their head. If you're in an organisation, somebody talked to me the other day about watching a film called Apollo 13. And um, one of the, it's an amazing film, it's a true story. Uh, if you haven't watched it, watch it, it's fantastic. And one of the messages in there is that, as Rudyard Kipling wrote in his beautiful, amazing literary poem, If, that if when, you know, everybody is losing their head and blame it on it, blaming it on you, can you keep your head? Can you keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you? Can you? Can you really? Because if you can, maybe you've got something and maybe you need something to hang on to that will enable you to maintain and keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. You know, Shakespeare talked about it as well, some of the, the greatest minds that have, um, have existed and put things down in words. He, he talked about to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. You know, can you suffer the, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune? Are you going to be able to withstand the blows? You know, and are you going to decide to take arms against a sea of troubles? And how are you going to decide to take arms against your troubles? Um, you need to be able to withstand. And what is it that's going to enable you to do that? And this, these circumstances will come. There's no doubt about it. So is there any point in us bemoaning them and, and, and complaining about them? Well, not if we listen to the greatest minds that have gone on. Complaints and criticisms are not what we're about if you want to be successful. Really, they should be a, a part of the past if, if we, can, we can move on. And in his great stoic writings, Ryan Holiday talks about this principle and he, it's one of his um, seven major principles of stoicism as far as I'm concerned, amor fati. Amor fati means to love your fate. That means to actually be in love with what is happening to you. Not be upset about what is happening. And, you know, I'm not going to get into discussions with people about, well, are you telling me that I've got to love the fact that my loved one's passed away? Well, the philosophers in life say that everything is a fact. And it doesn't mean we should be machines. But the sooner and the nearer we can get to actually accepting our fate and actually loving what is happening to us and finding the, the seeds of benefit in it, the better we're going to be. That's what amor fati means to me. Nietzsche, again, you know, somebody who had a mind that's almost unbelievable to us mere mortals. The quotation from Nietzsche about this is that the formula for greatness in a human being, listen to the words, the formula for greatness in a human being. He is telling us what the formula for greatness in a human being is. Now, why should you listen to him? Well, you need to do some, if you want to know, do a little bit of digging in, in, about Nietzsche. Th this guy could think, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, but he said, the formula for greatness in a human being is amor fati. That one wants nothing to be different. Not forward, not backward, not in all eternity. Not merely hear what is necessary, still less conceal it, but love it.
You know, these two, two, two guys are, are calling us to actually find that place where we can actually embrace what is actually happening to us. And, you know, at some point, because this too shall pass, because everything changes, because things move on, we will, we will move on through it and the storm will end. We will arrive at our port or not. And again, a beautiful, beautiful line for anybody and anybody who's thought about it will understand this. It was T.S. Eliot who said that you will arrive where you started and know the place for the first time. So you come back after your journey and your challenges and your difficulties to where you actually were but you will know the place for the first time. And what is being said there is that you know it for the first time because you are now a different person. You are a different being with a different set of attitudes and philosophies and an understanding. That is why you, you are different and that's why you know it for the first time as a result of the trials and tribulations. So without the trials and tribulations, you would not know it. So you have to have that adversity and you know a lot of these things can make us angry and bitter the criticism can make us angry and bitter we can hold on to it we can carry it it with us and there's some wonderful inspirational texts and writings about the the challenge that these things bring in terms of letting them go you know how do you forgive somebody who has changed your life how do you forgive somebody who's run over because they've drunk too much alcohol and decided to drive a vehicle and has taken a life how do you forgive somebody who has gunned down somebody in your family i don't know but there are people who have and if one person can do it then more than one person can do it. So when we've traversed all these difficulties and we've arrived victorious back at that place, maybe we adopt Rumi's or we will adopt Rumi's words. And Rumi, this unbelievable 13th century, I think, Persian poet invited us all to a place a place that's in his words out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing and out beyond these ideas of wrongdoing and right doing there is a field I will meet you there Rumi's words I will meet you there where? Out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing in that field. Now that, for me, is the place of forgiveness. And it really is the place of forgiveness. After you've been through the trials. After you've been through the crucifixion process. After you've dealt with the critics after you've dealt with the losses, the pain, you've dealt with the people 
you've lost their heads. You've dealt with the decision-making process and the slings and the arrows of the outrageous fortune that's befallen you. And you've actually learned as the Stoics and Ryan Holiday and Nietzsche put it, to adopt amor fati and love your fate. And you do arrive back where you started. And you do know the place for the very first time. And you can make your way out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing to the field. And you decide that you will meet those people there. As always, thanks for listening. And uh, do appreciate your time. All right, catch you later. Bye-bye.